The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, here we are for the second part of our interview with Manfred Hübner about behavioral finance and why the markets may be behaving the way they do. And it looks like that investors now have accepted at least Bitcoins uh, as a an, an real asset, an asset they can trust in. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Beccali. diversification. You should have gold as a diversifying part of your asset classes in your portfolio. What about cryptocurrencies? What about digital assets in general? Because again, I see in my environment, more and more people are trying it out, talking about you should have some sort of diversified portfolio, maybe a certificate, maybe a little basket in an ETF to just be in that type of asset investment class as digital currencies at the moment are being labeled. Has something changed in, during this crisis, during these sell-offs, during this uncertainty when it comes to the attitude and acceptance of digital assets? Yes, um, and it changed a lot. Uh, we, uh, we at Sendix, we were the first one to measure investor expectations about these digital assets. We started uh, our first survey in that in 2013, so very in the very, very early stages of this Bitcoin uh, rally or this Bitcoin boom. And since 2016, we follow it on a weekly basis. So we have a lot of data on that. And uh, what was very interesting for us as behavioral analysts to see was that in 2017, we saw this huge rally in Bitcoins where in, in the last six months we see, uh, I think, a, a, a quadruple. Uh, we, we, we have uh, Bitcoins rallied four times in, in the market. And this behavior uh, has uh, shown every aspect of the tulip mania. So it was, a, it was a definitely a clear bubble in the market. All ingredients were there. Uh, and lead to this blow of end of 2017. And we were sure that this is a bubble and this bubble has to burst. Um, and it, it did, it burst in 2018. So we, we saw uh, a correction in Bitcoins where the prices go from 20,000 to, to below $4,000. So it was a, a huge drop. And these bubbles have typical patterns on the upside and the downside. 
and Bitcoin followed this pattern in 2018 exactly. So what you should expect out of 2018 was that Bitcoin is now out of favor for many years. That was that what you should expect after a, um, a bubble bursts and Bitcoin was in a bubble. But then beginning of 2019, it, it changed completely. We saw a re-emergence re like, like Phoenix out of the ashes. Um, Bitcoin uh, ro um, rose from, from, from 4,000 to, to almost 10,000 US dollars. And this comeback of Bitcoin made a huge impression of investors. You saw it in the chart we see here. This is the asset class sentiment. This shows the stance of investor uh, um, for this asset class. And you see that beginning of 2019, this uh, index was minus 50 uh, on a scale from minus 100 to plus 100. And it rallied since then a lot. And last month we saw the first time that this asset class sentiment was uh, almost neutral. So it was on the zero point at the current end. So a dramatic change in the attitude of investors. And it looks like that investors now have accepted at least Bitcoins uh, as an, an real asset, an asset they can trust in. And as far as we believe, because we saw the strength that people want to have money outside the financial industry, maybe now uh, due to the problems we all have with the COVID measures, people want to have money not only outside the financial industry, people want to have the money outside the reach of governments. So it's a, it's a second motive. And they now accepted that Bitcoin has proven to be resilient even after uh, um, um, yeah, this bursting bubble event. And um, yeah, it changed the scene dramatically. And uh, this means that uh, Bitcoin, at least Bitcoins, but maybe other digital assets as well, are getting now more and more accepted by investors. And this will attract more money because it is at the current end, it is still a niche. Uh, not a lot of people are really investing a lot of money, but that might change. Yeah. Interesting to ask why the acceptance changed. Um, you were going through the motions and you say, okay, we saw a bubble burst in Bitcoin. However, it came back very quickly. So there is a change in attitude despite this huge sell-off. And Bitcoin itself is one thing, of course, is the mother of all the digital assets as it's labeled. And they have, since then, many different digital currencies have been flooding the markets. I don't know how many thousands there are right now. But the underlying story, this is what I'm interested in, um, Manfred, is the financial system is changing. Our way of trading money, of sending money, of buying anything is changing. And you see it also with digital assets being accepted by the SEC, by the American markets, by the European markets and integrated. And at the end of the day, yes, it is an investment tool, but it is also a tool you actually use on a day-to-day -day basis more and more so. Even if you go online and you, you have to pay, you have your normal credit cards, you've got your PayPal, and then you have, you can also pay with digital assets with more and more online sites when people buy stuff. So there is utility and there's a change, it seems, in the functioning of financial systems. Is that right? Is that is that a right impression? And if yes, what do you see the financial system is going to develop to? I, I think uh, what we believe is that the motive for Bitcoins is not so much that people want to pay with digital assets in the real world. 
because at the, currently it is much, much easier to send money with PayPal or to, to use your credit card uh, to pay bills um, if you buy something in an online store. So it's, it's much easier to use the traditional ways uh, we have to, to pay um, without um, real money. So the, the motive to have Bitcoins, as far as is my belief, is more that you want to be outside the reach of governments and central banks. And what we will see in the future, we, we see a lot of initiatives uh, from the ECB, from other central banks, to introduce their own digital assets, their own digital currencies. Um, because uh, the COVID crisis has led to an acceptance um, of, of digital payments, uh, even uh, yeah, from people which um, currently not want to pay with, with credit cards or your phones in, in, in your shop. But it's now accepted because the fear of getting infected with the virus is, is much bigger than the fear from paying uh, without money in, in the store. Um, so the critical point for, for these digital assets will come if governments introduce their own digital currencies. Because this means a, a higher threat for all these ones who fear uh, government control and, and government surveillance. So uh, we, I would expect that th this would bring a boost to currencies like Bitcoin who are not government controlled um, because people say, okay, if we get forced to, to use this new digital currency and we are now um, maybe are serv uh, get surveillance from, from governments and all our financial activities, we want to have an alternative. And the real alternative is gold. The digital alternative is something like, like, like Bitcoin without government control. And then uh, we might look or we will see how governments react to that movement. Because what we know from the past is that governments want to have control over their money. And I would suspect that they not will accept that uh, it becomes a huge uncontrolled market um, uh, in digital assets. Um, outside the government reach if governments have their own digital currencies. Yeah. So this will be the next major playing field uh, after um, we see the introduction of uh, government-controlled digital assets. But uh, on the way to that point, acceptance for digital assets as a whole uh, will become much, much higher. And that is, the, for in our impression, is, is a, a good a force to support uh, further money flowing into alternative di digital assets like Bitcoins. Yeah. So if I had to draw up my portfolio for the last uh, quarter of 2020, Manfred, let's play a scenario. Um, I get from what you were saying earlier on, gold still needs to be there. Equities, question global equities, US equities, Europe equities, or just maybe Asia. Uh, in bonds, maybe not so much, but also digital assets. Is, is, that, is that what you would say right now is a good, solid and growth potential portfolio? Yeah, uh, we, we run our own mutual funds and, and we cannot invest in digital assets. So these are not part of our portfolio, but uh, in our real portfolio, we focus on uh, equities and, and uh, precious metals as well, gold and silver. That's for us enough. Uh, we would avoid bonds on all costs because when you see what's going on with, with the international debt, with, with government debts around the globe, you also see that if debt is expanding, then gold benefits from that. 
And when uh, one trend which is very obviously is that debts, government debts will rise a lot over the next years. It will never stop. And that would support uh, gold. And, and that is why we would use gold as the um, yeah, better diversificator in our portfolio beside the equities. And if you look on a broader perspective as an individual, I would uh, recommend that you should diversify as much as you can in terms of asset classes, geographic locations, access method. And in that uh, respect, uh, I, I think it is very rational uh, to have at least a small uh, fraction of your portfolio also on Bitcoins because you never know uh, if this might be useful um, I would not um, invest uh, huge amounts of my portfolio, but to, to stay away from this market uh, seems, in my opinion, not very rational. Yeah, no, so it's a good one. So don't invest your kids' university fund in uh, any kind of certificate. <laughs> with in, in no asset classes. <laughs> not, not yet, not yet. No, <laughs> but this is an interesting, a couple of asset classes in that portfolio I would like to um, ask after is yeah. a cash, if you can call it an asset class, keep cash, and also corporate bonds, because we've been talking about government bonds. How do you see those two parts of a portfolio? Uh, cash, at least, is the same with Bitcoins. You, you should have a little bit amount of cash in, in, in your reach uh, because you don't know when you need cash and cannot go to a bank or have access to your bank account. So we have a lot of uncertainties in the financial industry uh, right now to, to, to make this uh, type of safe, safeguarding uh, your, your financial wealth. Um, so I, I would treat it the same. With corporate bonds, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's interesting. It depends very heavily on, on the yield you can, you can get. If, uh, you, if I see a, a very good um, companies like Siemens in Germany or so, you, you get a yield that is almost zero. So I don't know why sh I should invest in a, a government, in a corporate bond uh, from a company which, which is yielding uh, almost zero. Uh, then I would prefer the, the equity and, and, and get the dividend um, that is from, in my personal opinion, it is more interesting uh, to do like, like that. So at the end, we are not very, um, uh, we are not fans of, of uh, bonds in whatever types at the moment. Okay. When we see on our own data on corporate bonds, we see that investor interest in that space is now much, much uh, lower than it was some years ago. And I think that has a lot to do with the unattractive fields you can get here. Yeah. And before I let you off, Manfred, uh, we talked about in general, there is still a good push for the equity markets, especially to continue to go up, if not really in the last quarter. But talking about the icing on the cake event, which is the US election in November, please tell us what would you say to any investors? What are the key events, insecurities, um, stumbling blocks in any kind of investment portfolio investment strategy until the end of the year what would you what would you say to us in terms of the election we we know that the presidential election cycle is one of the the most important cycles in in the financial markets and uh, if you look on the past elections then typically from mid-october until the election day you see a pre-election rally in the market 
Uh, and after the election, typically after a small bump in the market, you see uh, what we call the honeymoon for the new president. So uh, typically this, uh, this um, season around the election is a very positive one for equity markets. Um, will it happen this time again? Will there be a new president to have a honeymoon? That's a big question, I guess. Will it be a new president? And who is the better one? The, the, the old one we know uh, with all his weaknesses or the new one where maybe he, uh, the new one doesn't know how long will he, will he be president due to uncertainties surrounding, surrounding his health uh, condition. Uh, so a lot of uncertainty, and I, I would suspect that this would contribute to this uh, for, for expected correction we see until mid-October, that the market will question which president is the right one, which brings more, more danger or more risk to the markets, which maybe brings opportunities to market. And at the end... Um, this could be, um, I, I would not be so surprised due to this negative sentiment in the market, due to this factor that we will get a very typical season with weakness until mid-October and then before the election and after the election, some sort of positive developments due to yeah, whatever reasons. Because if Trump will get re-elected, Maybe the, the stock market says, hey, he, he is a businessman. He will do some legislation which is in favor uh, of the business. If we become a new president, maybe they hope that the, the vice president uh, will, will bring some change uh, as, a, as a young person, a woman, um, which, which maybe brings, brings new power to the or, or, or bring, has a chance to bring yeah. Uh, the, the, the nation together again. Um, so you can spin for whatever reason a positive spin and you also yeah. can spin a negative one. But at the end, as long as pessimism prevails in the market, we think uh, the, the chances to the upside are, are bigger than the risks. And, and that is a wonderful conundrum of us being humans at the end of the day, making our own investments decisions. Taking me to the very last point, and I just thought of it, well, the COVID-19 virus being still with us and not abating, has the market really, the market sentiment, the investors shrugged that off, put it into the new normal category we will have to live with and definitely decouples from whatever happens on the health side? When, when we see the developments um, of the crisis, then since mid of March, since this panic, uh, state of panic we, we, we see in the markets, um, the, the, the numbers of infections doesn't matter for the market anymore. And if you remember at that time, mid of March, we had globally 170,000 infections. We have now 27 million infections, but it the markets do not care about it uh, because uh, people are over sensitive on these numbers. And this is not the, the, the important thing. The next important issue is two things. One is when, what are the conditions to end this, this sort of pandemic state? Because if we need, if it takes too long, then we see that um, business actors will adapt to this chronic crisis and they will stop projects. 
And, and this might be a, a second threat for the economy. And the, the second factor we have to look is, is it right what investors think that we not get a full recovery, that we, the recovery will stop below full recovery, which means that yeah, it's also a permanent factor uh, weighing on the economy. And that we have, we will see over the next months how it develops. Currently, what we see is we are still in, in, in a state of progress. So we are, um, we are on closing the gap, but we still not know if we close it full or not, but we are on the way to close it. And as long as we are on the way and have this positive outlook, uh, we should th uh, treat this pessimism in the market as, as a positive. And the second one, what you uh, should not forget is we know from our data and, and we also think that this pessimism stays so much with us is that we should not um, or we should be aware that people might be in some sort of depression right now. Um, because this, this mask, this, this environment we have, we, uh, people have no joy. They cannot go to concerts. They cannot go to sport events. Uh, in Germany, uh, a lot of events uh, is gone. You cannot make uh, vacations on, on, on the location you want to. Yeah. So people are, um, do not have a lot of fun, a lot of entertainment in their lives. And we should not be surprised. Uh, be su um, surprised that such an environment, if it persists, will bring a more and more bad mood into the public and lead to some sort of depression. Yes. So yeah. at the end, uh, the longer it takes the environment we have, uh, we, would, we will come to one point where these problems will come to the upside again and will be uh, stressed by the market. But we suspect not uh, within the next yeah, two or three months. Well, that's just leaving it on a more positive note. Manfred, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and the sentiment index showing really what a huge yeah. amount of people that answer to your index uh, questionnaire every single week really think, feel, and hence expect uh, for the markets to come. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thank and thank you very much, my dear Mentory TV community, for having joined us yet again for another conversation here on the show. I think what we can take away from Manfred, this rally we've seen over the last more or less five months in the U.S. markets and global markets may continue, maybe not as strong, maybe with a few wobbles, but there's still money uh, being put into that particular asset class. So I hope you enjoyed it and I see you with the next show. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.